Amen. Thank you, John. I don't know sometimes about those introductions, what we do, you know, you say, enjoys movies and long walks on beaches or something. (laughs) I'm not real sure. I'm glad to be here with you all. I'm excited about what God is uh, going to do not only today, but what God is doing uh, here at OCCA. I'm excited what he's been doing in your midst, getting to hear a lot about you. Um, in fact, you, I've probably heard more about you than you've heard about me. Uh, but to hear about you, and, and you've got some great leaders there. It's been great to talk with them, and, and they didn't pay me anything to say that about them. So I just want you to know that was totally uh, unsolicited in any way. The, uh, before we get started, uh, we're going to do scripture reading. If you have your Bibles, hopefully you do, Exodus chapter 33. Um, and you'll notice that you see there's uh, some sermon notes in there. Not everybody uses those, and that's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but if that's something you like to do, there's a place to jot it down. And really, for some people, what I've found is I try to put... Uh, sometimes I'll use a number of different verses. Uh, obviously, we're going to be jumping off of right in Exodus 33. We use a number of verses. I just write those down at the bottom, too. Um, but before we get started with that, before we even read that, if, if we can kind of come to an agreement together here. Uh, and that is that what we're about to do as we look at God's Word together is something that's very, very important. Because it's God hopefully speaking to us. So that means that the message that I'm bringing you today is not my best message. It's not the best message that God's blessed in the past just to try to say, okay, hey, look. What I do believe is that this is God's best message for you. As we prayed and sought the Lord, I believe this is what He wants to have for you here today. So as much as part of what's happening is, hey, let's come and look at this guy up on stage and try to decide, you know, who he is, what he is, and, you know, you know what, how he preaches and all that stuff. If we could kind of decide today, we're just going to put that aside right now in this moment. Now, when we go out there and afterwards you want to pick things apart, that's fine. But today, right now, can we just listen to hear God's voice? Because I believe God has something He wants to say to each and every one of you. And oftentimes, I don't know if it works that way for you, but oftentimes for me, it may not have anything to do with the guy up front and what he says. It's just somehow God speaks in it through. And so if today as we begin, that you would just kind of put aside secondary. I don't want to get in the way. I don't want candidating and get in the way of what God wants to speak to us. Does that sound good? All right. All right, let's look at Exodus 33. And I don't necessarily always read the whole chapters, but we're going to do the whole, whole chapter here. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave the place you and the people brought you and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised on an oath, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people, and if I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. 
Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. And so the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Oreb. Now, Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meaning. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of the cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance of his tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. And Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. And Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people. But you've not let me know how you will send, who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways that I may know you. And continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you. And I will give you rest. And Moses said, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and your people unless you go with us? What else can distinguish you and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you. And I know you by name. Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. And I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one can see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on the rock, where my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not be seen. Let's pray together. Father, I, I do praise. We've come here and, and we do want to seek your will about something beyond this day. But right now you're here with us. You desire, Jesus, to break through. Holy Spirit, help us to hear what you are saying beyond any words that I say. But I do ask that you'd help me to speak your words. And Lord, today that we would not come here in such a way as to just hear and walk away. But that we would apply, we would be doers of your word and all that you want for us. So thank you for this moment. Empower, anoint, not just me to speak as has been prayed, but Lord, I pray that you would anoint each one to hear, to have ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at our passage here today, let's look at verse 1. You start right off with verse 1, and you see some amazing thing that took place. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place. You and your people brought up out of Egypt. You and the people you brought up out of Egypt and go up to the land I promised. As we go through this, I'm going to refer to some of the verses. I won't necessarily read all of them. But as you look at that verse there, they have been waiting for what seems like forever for this. Here is the word from the Lord. Now you can press on to the promised land. That's what they're looking for. They're, they're looking for that, that moment to, 
finally press on to the promised land. Think about it. Exodus chapter 33 we're in. In Exodus 12 is when they left Egypt. They've been hearing about this promised land forever. Oh, we've been hearing about this promised land and all the land of milk and honey and everything is going to be and that's where we're going to go instead of just out here in this kind of desert stuff where we can't wait. It is a good word from the Lord. Press on. Press on to the promised land. They're so excited about being able to do that. And who wouldn't be excited about that? In fact, doesn't that sound good when you think about for OCCA, right? You know, isn't there a point that maybe some of you, at least, have been here, are feeling like, man, we've been waiting by the mountain for a while here. When are we going to get to go on? When are we going to get to press on? I want to press on. God, please. You know, you, you kind of have that feeling. We're, we're here. We, we, got, we got the engine running. Uh, the people are on the bus. We're just waiting for the bus driver, God. You know, in some respects, that's the way you think about it. When is it going to come? And then to hear that word finally, yes, press on. You can press on. We want you to do that. that, that that's exciting to press on and even think for, for you guys. To press on, to proclaim the good news, to, to proclaim the good news to the poor, freedom for the prisoners, recover a sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. You press on. In fact, that's part of what your uh, mission statement talks about at OCCA here is our mission says building his kingdom and proclaiming his offer of freedom healing and life that's that's pressing on that's wanting to do something that's that's wanting to accomplish something and that's kind of the way I am I, I, I I'm wired to just press on except there's one thing about this and that's the thing that they ran into here in Exodus chapter 33 there was a pressing problem, if you will. One more thing they needed to do before they could really press on to the promised land. One more thing they needed to do, and it's in this passage, Moses chose to embrace it. The people did not. They simply missed the whole key that you need before you press on. They missed the key. And in many ways, it is the first part. I don't know. You probably notice it, especially because it's on the front of your bulletin. There's something missing up there, isn't there? There's not missing in the first part of your mission state, your mission statement, and that is pursuing Jesus Christ. You see, that has to come first. That has to, just like it's first in your mission statement, that has to come first. It, you have to be able to recognize before you can press on to the promised land, you must press on to, into the presence of God. We got that? We see that up there? Let's just say that together. We get this before you can press onto the promised land with God, you must press into the presence of God. Yes, that's what we've got to get first before anything else. And, and that's a part of what you've put there pursuing, pursuing Jesus Christ. This morning, I believe that God does not have us here just to listen, learn, and leave that he wants us to actually live this and so at the end of the message we're going to have an opportunity for you to respond for you to respond to to pressing into god's presence not just kind of walk away and say oh i'll go do that in my prayer closet but right here at the end of the service uh, we're going to sing a song and just to really try to press into his presence i just want you to know as we think about this how god wants to move in you but let's go ahead and, and get started if we're going to press into the presence then we need to get closer 
than just seeking His hands. We need to get closer than just seeking His hands. Here's this nation of wimpy ex-slaves getting ready to head out into a dangerous, uncharted wilderness. As they press on, they are counting on God to continue to miraculously help them like you know, any part of the Red Sea, right? They're, they're counting on God to miraculously help them, protect them, and do everything for, for them. Except there's one pressing problem. If you look at verses 2 and 3 there in our passage, you look at verse 2 and God says at the beginning, I will send an angel before you. A little later as you reach on down there. But, in verse 3, I will not go with you. I will not go with you. The people react in verse 4. In verse 4, the people heard these distressing words. They began to mourn. In fact, the ESV says when they heard these disastrous words, disastrous words, that God's not going to go with us? What do you mean God's not going to go with us? But the reality is why should He? Why should He go with them when they're not even wanting to be with Him? It's not like they will actually miss God. What they're going to miss is his hands parting the Red Sea. What they're going to miss is his hands working and, and doing things for them. But they're not going to really miss him. It's kind of like a, uh, it's like a teenager who comes and says to their parent, I really want to go shopping with you. Can we go shopping together? You know, why, why is a teenager in general asking that? It's because they want to spend quality time with mom and dad, right? In general. Now, now... Some teenagers, however, and I'm sure it's not the OCCA kind, right? All right? But there are some teenagers, really what it is about is they want to spend quantity money of mom and dad. Right? That's what you want. It's not really about being with mom and dad at all. In fact, if you give them the money, they're gone. So, that's the way it is with the Israelites here. It's kind of like, yeah, we want God to go with us, but yeah, not really. We, I mean, we want God, but what we want is His hands, what He can give us. That's what they're looking for. They're not really pressing into His presence. They're not seeking Him in, in any kind of way. In fact, if anything, they are seeking His presence, as you see up on the screen, and not His presence to seek what He can do for them. If we are going to press on, with God, we must press in closer. And here's the thing the Israelites were given that opportunity. They were given the opportunity. Look at verse 7. Moses used to take a tent, pitch it outside the camp some distance away. Uh, this tent of meeting, he called it, is not the tabernacle that eventually was built. This is something before that. But Moses sets this up outside the camp, and it says a great distance. I mean, distance. I mean, the, the word means far away. Like you could kind of look. And maybe see the presence of God come down on this tent, this little tiny tent way out in the distance. And when God came down, what happened? Verse 9. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And when that happened, the people were like, oh, man, that's good. But now God and Moses are getting together. Okay, maybe this will all work out. Maybe we'll be okay because, you know, Moses and God are tight and, and, and this, this, could, uh, this could be good. But 
It doesn't bother them that they're so far away from the presence of God. They could have gotten closer. You know, we, we put it there like, oh, Moses and God, that's good. He says in verse 7, this tent of meeting that he set up, anyone inquiring, anyone seeking the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. There was an open-door policy on this tent of meeting. Anybody could go at any time to this tent of meeting. But for some reason, they did not go when God himself came down. Because they didn't really necessarily want to be there. They didn't want to seek. They didn't want to press in to the presence of God. Instead, let's let Moses do it. Uh, Moses can do it. And that kind of casual, uncommitted attitude happens even today. Let someone else seek for us. Let someone seek God in praying for us. Let someone seek God in studying the scriptures for us. There's this religious spirit that is content to live a secondhand faith from a distance. But that wasn't the original plan. Not for the Israelites, not for us. In fact, you go all the way back to what is the origin, back to the original in the garden, what took place. In the beginning, in the garden, before sin, the plan for each and every one of us was that we would personally, intimately walk with God. Press into His presence and just be with Him. That's not what's happening here for the Israelites. And so many times today, that's not what's happening for us. Verse 8 says, here's what's happened with the Israelites. Verse 8. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. All the people did was they went and they stood at the door of their tent. They just stood, stood there. That word means settled, fixed, like feet in concrete. They just stood there. They watched what was going on. But no one moved. No one moved to go to the presence of God like Moses did. The people had no sense of, uh, like Psalm 73, verse 28 says, For me, for me, it is good to be near God. Moses knew that. Do we know that today? For me, it is good to be near God. They, They didn't even leave their own tent let alone come to his tent. They didn't really want to meet with God. They just wanted what his hands could do for them. They had no desire to press in. They didn't want to leave their comfort zone. And that happens today, doesn't it? In some of our churches, we don't want to press in to more of God. We got enough or this is good, but more? To, to press in to more of God, that's, just, that's extra stuff. That's kind of... Uh, that's, I'm, I'm okay, we're good, I'm a good Christian. There's a, that's all the extra stuff. And besides, once we start about, talk about pressing in and talk about the Holy Spirit, that stuff just makes you a little uncomfortable, even though it's not unbiblical. Because we're not wanting to press into His presence. I, I suppose we could give the Israelites some credit. They at least came out of their tents. And stood there. You know, I suppose they could have gone back in and taken a nap. Why did they come out of their tents? They came out of their tents. Was it because of they had a, a, a certain respect for God? At least they came out of their tents when His presence came down. Or was it that they were just doing their religious duty? You know, okay, God's here. Okay, we got to put in our hour for God. Because it says in verse 8, Whenever Moses went to meet with God, the people would rise up. 
Every single time Moses went down, they did their regular religious routine because that's just what you do. Everybody did it. Everybody just came out and stood at the door of their tent. They didn't press into a real relationship with God. Instead, they went through the motions. A kind of churchianity that happens even today where we make sure that we do what good Christians are supposed to do. We read our Bibles, we pray, we, we go to church service. But how many really burn with the passion to press in to the presence of God? Instead, like Israelites, we can become satisfied with as little as possible of God that we need to get by just enough to give us a false sense of security that God is walking with us somewhere. We don't know where, but we, we know He is, surely. But we will never be close enough for the hands of God to actually help us if we're not close enough to grab a hold of those hands, to hold on to His hands through the fire, through the flood. As it says in verse 10, it describes more of what they did. In verse 10, whenever the people saw the pillar of clouds standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to his tent. This is the epitome of, uh, I can worship God at home. They all stood out and worshipped. That's what it says. You say, well, wasn't that good? They worshipped. Except that the word worship there means to bow down, to prostrate oneself down. But what's it also say? Right beside it, it says they worshiped and they stood. They stood and worshiped. But the very nature of worship is to bow down. There was no bowing in, in their hearts, let alone in their actual bodies, let alone wanting to say, you know what, we need to go over where God is. We need to press into His presence. No. They just stayed right where they at. Not pressing in, not even kneeling where they were at. Why? Because they had never pressed in close enough to God to begin with for Him to actually affect or have an impact on their life. It, it didn't even dawn on them perhaps even to think about that because they were never close enough to realize that. Got just enough, so many today have just enough religion to keep them from a real relationship with Jesus. Where are you at today? Have you been just standing at the door of your tent, so to speak? Satisfied that you've done your religious duty, watching God from afar. I mean, nobody else knows that, but you know your own heart, you and God. Are you closer to God than you were a year ago? Are you closer to God than you were 10 years ago? How about 20 years? Can you really say that you're closer? Now, now please understand, I'm not asking, do you know more about God than you did 10 years ago. It's do you know God more? You know, it's ultimately about are we pressing in to a real, close, intimate, personal relationship with Jesus? J. Oswald Sanders says every one of us is as close to God as He has chosen to be. 
How close have you really chosen to be with God? And while we need to press in closer, seeking His hands, they didn't even do that. And fortunately for them, Moses did. Moses pressed into the presence. We read in verse 14 where God says, what? In verse 14, my presence is going to go with you. Why does God say he said he wasn't? Now he says he is going with them. My presence is going with you. Why? Because of verse 13. In verse 13, Moses comes to him and says, listen, that I may know you and find favor in your sight. I'm, I'm not just coming. Moses wasn't coming to God to say, hey, could you do this? Could your hands help us? He's saying, I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship. I want to press in closer to you. And when he did that, God said, now I will go with you and help you to press on. I will. As we get closer to God, it's then that his hands in love bestow favor and blessing upon us, giving us exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ever ask or imagine. But we receive that help from his hands when we are close enough to actually grab a hold of them. Please understand, outside of a wrong, selfish attitude, it is not wrong to press into the presence of God to receive from his hands. That is not wrong. It is something that we're encouraged to do. Our Heavenly Father wants to give us good gifts. He wants to. In fact, uh, in Matthew chapter 7, uh, verse 11, we read, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven good give good gifts to those who ask Him? God wants to. He, his hands do, do want to bless us. Even Jesus when he told his disciples to wait upon the Holy Spirit. In a sense, he was saying, press into the presence before you press on and change the world. And what did Jesus say in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the very ends of the earth. And it was after they pressed in in that upper room, after they pressed in, that God came down, the Holy Spirit, and filled them, filled them with His presence, filled them with His power, and they went forth and changed and turned the world right side up, if you will. But first they had to press in before they pressed on. That's what God does. Moses is pressing in. He's doing that. In verses 15 to 17 here, as you look at that, you press in, press in even closer to the presence of God. Not just looking for his gifts, but the giver. Uh, A.B. Simpson, which hopefully some of you know, uh, Christian Mission Alliance. A.B. Simpson has a, a, a song, one of my favorite songs of his, would be himself. And the first stanza goes, Once it was the blessing, now it is the Lord. Once it was the feeling, now it is his word. Once his gift I wanted, now the giver own. Once I sought for healing, now himself alone yes god wants to bless us from his hands but we need to press in closer than that not just what he can give but the giver himself to press in closer to press into that presence closer than just the hands but as well to press in we need to get close enough to seek his face we heard a, a video at our church of Dr. Rob Bremer, um, and he was talking in much way about this uh, topic in verse 11, especially that we'll, we'll look at here in just a moment. 
And he was talking about how uh, people talk about how many friends they have today. And usually if they're talking about it, it's how many friends they have where? Facebook. Facebook. How many have Facebook? Okay, you're willing to admit that. Uh, all right. They, they talk about how many friends they have in Facebook. So many friends. And yet the reality is most, if not all of those, are not real, intimate, personal friends that you can count on day or night, calling and talking to them about your deepest, darkest secrets. We just don't have those kind of friends. And he goes on to say, here's the point, though. He goes on to say, God's got billions of Facebook friends, but few face-to-face friends. God's got billions of Facebook friends, but few face-to-face friends. Friends. That's what he's looking for. He says in verse 17 to Moses, I know you by name. How does he know him by name? He knows him by name because of what verse 11 says here. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. That's what we should seek after. That's what we're, we're, we're going towards. This is not a picture of some church person going through religious motions. Uh, this is not just somebody who's looking to, to even hold on to God's hand necessarily. It's somebody passionately pursuing the presence in such a way consistently that he has become personally known as a face-to-face friend with God. That's where all of us should be. It, it, it matters. It, when we're talking about getting closer, and sometimes we try to put this and we think, well, God's up there and how are we think I'm here and His presence and putting this all. It, it deals with, there is a sense that our physical closeness affects our inside. The out, external closeness affects our inside. If I were to talk about how uh, close my wife and I are and then I were to ask her to, you know, talk, I'd talk it up, right? You know, oh, Robert and I are so close and we're so, you know, we do take long walks on beaches together. Uh, okay, but, you know, if I, if I talk about that and then I invite her and says, I would just like my lovely wife to come on up here with me. She's not going to do this. I already told her she didn't have to. But if I were to invite her to come on up here with me and she stands over there and I'm here, how close are we? You're going to think something's up. He just said how great a wife she is and, and then she just is standing over there away from him. Something's not right. But then if she comes over and we hold hands, you know, or even to stand and just kind of gaze into each other's face, you get an idea that they got to be at least a little close. I mean, you can only fake that so long, right? How can you? <laughs> they they got to be a little close to be able to do that, to stand close to one another. Think about what we are with God. I mean, let's face it. If Fran came up here and we did that, it wouldn't be the same. (laughs) Okay? And and it's not, there's nothing wrong with Fran. It's just that our relationship is not like that, right? What is your relationship like with God? Where are you at? Do you understand as you talk about this, the distance and, and how we look? I mean, let, let's face it. 
if, if Roberta and I were standing up here and looking at one another face to face, that would make some people uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm kind of funny sometimes about PDA too. But you would be like, ah, PDA. But let's face it, there are some people in churches that are a little funny, uncomfortable, shall we say, with other people in church that are showing God a little too much PDA in their worship. Right? They have a little, what is that? We should be like Moses, face to face with God. And I know somebody's going to say, okay, 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 I heard that, I get that. But you're talking about this in this face-to-face thing. But I thought no one could see God's face. And you're right. In fact, it not only does it say it throughout the Word, but it says it right here in what I read in chapter 33 of Exodus in verse 20. But God said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see my face. And yet in verse 11, he's saying... This is a face-to-face relationship. So obviously we're not talking about literally seeing or being in the face of God. What we're talking about is a close, intimate kind of personal relationship that is an expression that is very personal. That's what it's about. And God is pleased with Moses for this kind of relationship that he has. Can we really say today that God is the number one, the closest relationship we have, period. No one even comes close. Is God the closest relationship you have, period? Now, some people say, well, I don't think you can get that close with God. I don't think that's that's really possible. He's up there, far away from us. He doesn't necessarily want to do much with us. I mean, he does, but not, you know, not in the way you're talking about up here. Or at least really what they're thinking is, I don't think God wants to do much with me. Sometimes that's the way we feel, right? So I know God loves me, but I'm not really sure He likes me and wants to spend time with me. Unfortunately, that's where some people are at. You know what you do? You need to stop listening to the lies of Satan because that's right from him. You got to stop listening to those lies. And the other thing we need to do that sometimes causes us to think that way is we need to stop letting the sin that we're holding on to build a wall between us and God. We need to drop that sin. We need to turn around from that sin and turn towards God. Full on towards Him. Because He wants to be close with you. He wants to be close with you. Let me share a verse with you. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God is in your midst. He's close. The Lord your God is right here in your midst with you. He is there with you. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one who will save. Yes, there's his hands. But listen, there's a relationship that he's talking about here. He will rejoice over you. He's rejoicing over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. And he will exult over you with loud singing. Jesus is singing songs about you. Press into that presence of somebody who loves you in such a way. I understand there's some fear and trepidation for those about getting closer to God. And you're just not sure. And, and isn't that we've got to kind of stay back. And we remember Moses when he first met God. The burning bush, right? Moses first met God in that burning bush in Exodus 3. The difference between Exodus 3 and Exodus 33 are worlds apart. When Moses came into Exodus Three, he's standing before God. He says this. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, 
the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look to God. Moses' first interaction with God was this. He was afraid to even look. You remember that? Kind of standing back, the shoes off and everything. He distanced himself from God. He didn't draw close to God. But here's what took place. Then in Exodus 33, he spoke face to face with God as one speaks to a friend. You see the difference? I underlined that for you. One of the places Moses hid his face. But now in chapter 33, Moses speaks face to face. This is what it's about. This is where God wants to be. Pressing in face to face with Him. You hear some today that are looking for this burning bush kind of experience. You know, somebody says, Oh man, if I could just have that kind of encounter with God that would just be so awesome, so overwhelming. In fact, some people have had what they would call their burning bush kind of experience with God. And they remember how incredible it was, how awesome it was, how amazing that I was at this one place or maybe it was somewhere here or whatever it was, there was this encounter with God. that You just want to go back to that. You want to repeat that encounter with God again. But you know what? That's not what happened with Moses. Moses didn't look to go back to that. In fact, Moses never again had a burning bush experience. There was just one encounter with God in that way. Never again did he have that encounter. But Moses continued to press in closer and closer with God to something that was so much deeper. So many times we are wanting to go back in our Christian life, go back to when we had this amazing encounter experience with God. We want to go back and just kind of repeat that instead of saying, go forward, go forward into a relationship with God that is something deeper, that is something Flowing like a river of his presence. Instead of just have some encounter, but to every day live in the river of his presence. Are we having that kind of experience as it talks about in verse 11, a face-to-face friendship that presses in? Moses had it, but you know what? He wasn't content there, was he? Moses, it says of him in verse 11 that he had faced, he encountered God face to face. But was Moses satisfied? Because those of you here today, you really press into the presence, you know God so intimately. Moses wasn't satisfied with that. He wanted more. He wanted more of God. And so in verse 18, he says, show me your glory. Show me your glory. I want more. I know somebody's going to say, all right, this sounds good. I mean, you think it sounds good, and, and I get this whole seeking God's presence, but is this, isn't this like for the Moses people and the super saints in our congregation? You know, those really super ones. Uh, I'm not going to name any names, but, you know, that is for them, right? What you're talking about. I, I, we want... God's presence to go with us, like verse 14 and 15 talk about. You know, as you look at verse 14, we want that. But verse 11, 
It's not that we don't want it, but I don't know that it's for everybody, is it? Because it feels like this having God's presence go with us and us walking with God's presence versus this face-to-face encounter or experience with God, those are two different things, we think. Well, let's take a look at this a little closer. In fact, obviously it is God over and over in the Word. It talks about seeking Him and His face. But let's look at what maybe we don't see by looking at some of the, in the original language here. When the Lord replied, and this is out of verses 14 and 15, He says, My presence, and in the original language, pane, you can say panayim, um, there's a number, but the root, let's just say the root word of presence here is pane. All right? He says, My pane will go with you, I will give you rest. The Lord said to him, If your pane, your presence, does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How many of us want that kind of presence? With God. We want that presence of God to go with us. Do you want to go through your work week, your day, without having the presence of God go with you, right? We want that. We want God's presence with us. And we say, okay, I want that. But what about verse 11? Here's verse 11. The Lord would speak to Moses, Pane to Pane. And if you're kind of catching that, as, in other words, The same word that is used for presence is the same word for face. So for you to have verse 14, God's presence go with you, you've got to have verse 11, a face-to-face with God. And therefore, it's for all of us. It's not for those super saints or somebody that really wants. It is what God intends for each and every one of us to have, to press in to His face. Psalm 105, verse 3 and 4 says, Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. In just a few minutes, I'm going to have the worship team come up and we're going to sing the song and we're going to... Let's practice this. Let's press in closer to the presence. But first, let me just ask, where are you with God? How close are you? Do you need to press in? Do you want to press in? Do you have that thirst, that hunger? Do you want to press in? Not more religion, but a real relationship. Closer. Closer than wherever you're at right now to be closer. And what we're going to do is we're going to wait upon His presence, to wait upon Him, and before we press on, even from here, that we would press in. Let me just ask, as as we're closing this up, have you you been keeping your distance lately from God? Maybe you haven't necessarily even thought about it until I asked the question. Was there a time in your life where you really felt closer to God? Was there a time in life where you were really seeking and, 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 and seeking God with your whole heart? You pressed in close. But if you're honest today, it's more like you're standing at your tent door watching God and what He's doing and where He's at and all that. You haven't ignored Him, but you're kind of just standing at the door, not really seeing God face to face. And maybe you're not even sure how you got to this place. 
Why not journey back right here today, right now, to take a first step? In fact, what I want to encourage you, and I don't even know if you you all do this at this church, but I just want to encourage you to symbolically in in a moment when when we start singing, um, in fact, the worship team, you can come up at this time. Uh, When we start singing, we're all going to stand. I'm going to I'm going to ask you to stand. And then to decide where you at. And if the spirit of God is working in your heart as you and, and you don't need the spirit of God really to work to tell you something that you should already know, right? Sometimes I mean the spirit has already told you that. But as he's leading you to symbolically kind of leave where you're at and and walk forward. Whether it's to come and kneel here at the front or just to stand to go to say, I want to get closer to God's presence and I, I, I want to do something about it. I don't want to just stand there like the Israelites did at their, te- at their tent and say, oh, I'm going to worship and stand and, and from afar. Even those of us, you know, you'd say you really love the Lord your God. You know there's something more though. You know there is something more. You know there is a closeness that, that you want. You know that even if you've seen God face to face, so to speak, that you have that face to face relationship, that you want something more, that you want Him to show His glory to you. Let's press in. Press in to seek His face, to encounter God and who He is right here, and not just today, but as we move on from this time, even this morning, to passionately pursue the presence of God. As James chapter 4 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. So as we draw near, as we wait in His presence, knowing that God's going to draw near to us. And again, this is not about some experience. I'm not promising that that somehow you're going to have some amazing face-to-face encounter with God. That's not the point. The point is that we would begin to take our step another step closer and closer and closer. God, I want more of you. I want all of you. I just lead us in a, in a prayer, a short prayer here. It's actually uh, from A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God. If any of you have heard of that. And here's the prayer. Feel free to, uh, to, to pray along with me if you like. But this is, let this be in your heart, the prayer we pray. And then after we've prayed, this worship team will lead us and encourage you to stand. Oh God, I have tasted thy goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, that so I may know thee indeed. Begin in mercy a new work of love within me. Say to my soul, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Then give me grace to rise and follow thee up from this misty lowland where I have wandered so long. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship Him together. And as we sing, the Spirit is working on you. Just come forward. Maybe you can't kneel. You just want to come and sit in the front steps, or in the front chairs here. I encourage you. Come.